I'm Bryson. And I'm Steven. And welcome to Press X to Continue. Their go-to podcast for all things video games, movies, and everything in between. We have six news stories to go over today, which include Summer Games Fest, Multiverses, Alpha Beta Dates, Fall Guys coming to Xbox and Switch, Gotham Knights, Bethesda delaying Starfield to 2023, we're also going to be talking about our review for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, as well as our discussion on Avatar The Way of the Water teaser trailer. Before we get into all of that, though, a couple of housekeeping things to get out of the way. Our first episode is out, as I'm sure you're aware. Uh, we appreciate everybody that came and gave us a listen. We would also appreciate it even more if you could rate us on the app, as well as hit the notification bell and follow us so that you'll always be notified as soon as we upload a new episode it takes just a few seconds it should be right on the title page for the podcast uh right above where all of the episodes are you can just you know click that there rate us the bell icon should also be right next to that and the follow button right above that it takes just a few seconds we really appreciate it helps us out helps us get out to more people in our area and hopefully to more and more people around the globe but without out of the way we're going to go ahead and get into our news stories uh steven take it away this first one is simple and sweet, the Summer Games Fest. This is coming out in June 2022, June 9th to be exact, and it's going to be at 2 p.m. EST and 11 a.m. PST. And with that being said, you can go to their website, simply summergamesfest.com, and if you'd like to, sign up for notifications of when that's going to actually air. And Bryson, I'm going to give this one to you. All right, our second news story uh, comes from PlayStation. And uh, this article is going to be found on the PlayStation blog. It reads here, it's almost time. Our new PlayStation Plus service is launching soon, and we're pleased to share with you an early look at some of the games that will be included during the launch timeframe. As we announced back in March, there will be a three benefit plans to choose from, all with exciting games to play. Uh, and just to give you a bit of information on that, just real quick, three different tiers that they're going to be doing now with PlayStation Plus. Uh, you'll have your, what are they calling the PlayStation Plus Essential Package, which is 10 bucks a month or 60 bucks a year. It's just going to essentially be the way PlayStation Plus is right now. They're also going to be adding PlayStation Plus Extra, which is the middle tier, and that one's going to be $14.99, 15 bucks a month, and then 100 bucks a year. And uh, that one is going to include some of the games that I'll talk about here in a second. And then lastly, you'll have your PlayStation Plus Premium Plan, uh, which will be 18 bucks a month or 120 bucks a year. And that one's going to be the big one that will include everything that's in the extras package, plus backwards compatibility streaming with PS3 games, uh, PS2, PSP, and all that jazz. But going back to the article from today, so all of the games that will be included in the PlayStation Plus extras package include Alienation, Bloodborne, Concrete Genie, Days Gone, Dead Nation Apocalypse Edition, Death Stranding, Demon Souls, PS5, Destruction All-Stars, Everybody's Golf, Ghost of Tsushima, God of War, Gravity Rush 2, Gravity Rush Remastered, Horizon Zero Dawn, Infamous First Light, Infamous Second Sun, Knack, Little Big Planet 3, Loco Roco Remastered, Loco Roco 2 Remastered, Marvel Spider-Man, that is going to be the PS4 version. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, both PS4 and PS5 versions, Matterfall, Medieval, Platoon Remastered, Platoon 2 Remastered, Resogun, Returnal, Shadow of the Colossus, Terrorray Unfolded, The Last Guardian, The Last of Us Remastered, The Last of Us Left Behind, Until Dawn, Uncharted, The Nathan Drake Collection, 
Uncharted 4, A Thieves' End, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, Wipeout Omega Collection, Ashen, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Batman Arkham Knight, Celeste, City Skylines, Control Ultimate Edition, Dead Cells, Far Cry 3 Remastered, Far Cry 4, Final Fantasy 15 Royal Edition, For Honor, Hollow Knight, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Mortal Kombat 11, Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm 4, NBA 2K22, Outer Wilds, Red Dead Redemption 2, Resident Evil, Soul Calibur 6, South Park, The Fractured But Whole, The Artful Escape, The Crew 2, and Tom Clancy's The Division. Uh, and again, those are going to be for the PlayStation Plus Extras package. Moving on to the games that will be the backwards compatible games that will be included in the premium package, which is the big one, will include, and these are going to be original PlayStation and PSP games, Ape Escape, Hot Shots Golf, IQ Intelligence Cube, Jumping Flash, Siphon Filter, Super Stardust, uh, Mr. Driller, Tekken 2, Worms World Party, Worms Armageddon, Ape Escape 2, Ark the Lad, Twilight of the Spirits, Dark Cloud, Dark Cloud 2, Fantavision, Hot Shots Tennis, Jack 2, Jack 3, Jack X, Combat Racing, Jack and Dexter, Precursor Legacy, Rogue Galaxy, Siren, Wild Arms 3, Bioshock Remastered, Borderlands, The Handsome Collection, Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition, Kingdoms of Amalar, Re-Reckoning, and Lego Harry Potter Collection. PS3 games that will be available through streaming only, which I'm very disappointed with, but that will be Crash Commando, Demon Souls, PS3 version, Echo Chrome, Hot Shots Golf, Out of Bounds, Hot Shots Golf World Invitational, Ico, Infamous, Infamous 2, Infamous Festival of Blood, Loco Roco, Motorstorm Apocalypse, Motorstorm RC, Puppeteer, Rain, Ratchet and Clank, Quest for Booty, Ratchet and Clank, Crack in Time, Ratchet and Clank, Into the Nexus, Resistance 3, Super Stardust HD, Tokyo Jungle, When Vikings Attack, Asura's Wrath, Castlevania, Lords of Shadow 2, Devil May Cry HD Collection, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, Fear, Lost Planet 2, Ninja Gaiden 2, Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare. And lastly, is part of the... The Iron Giant gets to meet Superman and Warner Smash Bros-like Multiverse. So if you didn't know, Multiverse's trailer was actually released recently, and it seems like Warner Brothers is trying to compete with Smash. Basically, Warner Bros. Games takes on Smash Bros. formula, Multiverses, adds three more characters to its crossover roster, the Tasmanian Devil, aka Taz, from Looney Tunes, Velma from Scooby-Doo, and the Iron Giant. Monday's new trailer for Multiverses coincides with the announcement of an open beta coming for the four-player brawler this July. That will be preceded by a closed alpha test for the Multiverses, which runs May 19th to the 27th. Interested players can register for a spot in the closed alpha at Multiverse's official website. They're releasing the game as free-to-play. With a team-based 2v2 format, the company's also promised full cross-play support. Multiverse is coming to PlayStation 4, PS5, Windows PC, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and dedicated server-based rollback, netcode, and content-filled seasons. So it kind of sounds like they're going to try to update this game as much as they possibly can, and they're going to try to sit on it, but a lot of developers usually say that, but I, I believe Warner Bros. <laughs> yeah um i'm both like excited and nervous at the same time purely just because like i don't know how they're gonna plan to monetize this i mean I'm, i imagine you'll probably have to like buy the characters but i don't know how they're gonna really manage that but everything that i've heard about it looks good um i'm already signed up for the closed alpha this morning so hopefully i get into that and can check it out soon but 
If not, I'm definitely going to be playing the beta for this. But moving on to the next news story. So earlier last week, Gotham Knights, the developers making it Warner Brothers Games, announced that it will not be on PS4 or Xbox One. It says here, and this is an article is from Forbes, it says it's finally starting to happen. Major AAA games are beginning to leave the last generation of consoles behind. Gotham Knights has just announced that the game will only be released for PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC, and will not be coming to PS4 or Xbox One to provide players with the best possible gameplay experience, they say. This has generally not been an industry trend, as even games like Horizon Forbidden West and the upcoming God of War Ragnarok, which many assumed would be a uh, PS5 only, but both have PS4 releases as well. The same is true for most third-party AAA games so far, with only a few exceptions. If you want to know what next-gen only looks like, Gotham Knights has also just released a new 13-minute gameplay showcase with Red Hood and Nightwing, which shows off each character's combat style in-game. So my thoughts when I initially heard this um, were honestly good. I'm one of the people that I'm a firm believer in, you know, especially at this point in time with these new consoles being out, more and more games should be prioritized on this new hardware over the old hardware. I definitely can understand from a developer standpoint, wanting to get your game out to as many people as possible. And this game especially is in a weird spot because when it was initially advertised, it was advertised to be on those previous consoles. But, you know, no, yeah, no developer really, and I don't even think, you know, these developers especially necessarily just want to brush off the last gen crowd. You know, they would want to include everybody, but development has its ups and downs, as I'm sure everyone is aware. And I really feel like if it was something that was going to cause another delay, then by all means, just, you know, remove those and just release it on the hardware that can handle the scope that you have, the vision that you have for this game. Uh, because no one wants another Cyberpunk 2077 situation. But yeah, delays suck. And this definitely does suck for those that maybe, you know, were, in, were going to get the game on PS4 or Xbox One. But I mean, it's now going to be something that you can look forward to when you eventually get, you know, a PS5 or an Xbox Series X or, you know, just play it on on PC, I guess. But I definitely can see where both sides of the argument are valid, but I definitely stand on the side where it's like we're in a new generation. More and more games just need to stick with the hardware that can handle it and not have to compromise for the lesser hardware. But yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Steven, did you have anything you wanted to add to it? Uh, yes, I was going to say I'm one of those people that I would much rather have games that were on, let's just say, xbox 360 or even the original xbox you know i would like to have more backwards compatible games rather than games that are able to cross over from new gen and old gen in reverse i would rather have an old game be on a new console than a new game be on an old console so uh that that's where i stand and you know even if we didn't involve old games even if we didn't involve the old consoles but just uh, you know to, to your point though right is that you know for any games that you were looking forward to, in this case, a, a game that you might would have picked up on, on your current, you know, console, but now you have a new one. Well, at least now that can be one that'll be on your radar for like first few ones you pick up if you were really excited about it. But moving on. Um, and then we have more news. This is the fourth topic, 
and it is actually Fall Guys. I kind of wasn't expecting this whenever I woke up this morning and saw it. If you guys remember the end quote, popular game that launched in 2020, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, it was on PC only. And that kind of upset a lot of the X Xbox and PS5 community, I believe, because everyone was ready for a battle royale that seemed fun. So when Fall Guys released in 2020, Xbox players and PlayStation players were just kind of upset that the that they couldn't get their hands on it. They couldn't get on this uh you know, train of having another battle royale out there. But now it's going to be free to play in June. It's going to be on Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Windows PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. And they are all cross-platform play. And I'm excited. I think I'm actually going to play this. Since it's free to play, there's like no risk and, you know. Uh, we're moving on to our final news story for today. Uh, and this I would argue is probably the biggest news out of all of these. And that is Starfield and Redfall have been delayed to the first half of 2023. This article comes from Game Informer and it reads here that Bethesda has delayed Starfield and Redfall to the first half of 2023. This news comes by the way of an update posted on the official Bethesda Twitter account, which explains that both teams behind Starfield, Starfield and Redfall need more time to ensure the games are the best they can be. The tweet reads as follows. We've made the decision to delay the launches of Redfall and Starfield to the first half of 2023. The teams at Arcane and Bethesda Game Studios have incredible ambitions for their games, and we want to ensure that you receive the best, most polished versions of them. We thank you, everyone, for your excitement for Redfall and Starfield. The energy is a huge part of what inspires us all every day and drives our own excitement for what we are creating. We can't wait to share our first deep dive into the gameplay for both Redfall and Starfield soon. Thank you for your support. When I first saw this, I honestly wasn't surprised, mainly because they still haven't shown any gameplay of this. And it was announced back in, I think, like 2019 was when it was first announced. And then last year during Xbox's showcase, they finally gave us a cinematic trailer and a release date for like November 11th of this year, which was really odd at the time because it was like so far out and you had an official date. But at the same time, I think like all of us were kind of like, okay, I mean, with the date being that far, then they have to probably be able to meet that or know that they could meet that. Yeah. I mean, I think just it, it, after so long of not seeing any gameplay of it, it was starting to get a bit suspicious of like what's kind of, going on with the game and why are they being so secretive about it and kind of just doing these little dev diaries instead of actually showing us you know what the game looks like all of that was was kind of suspicious and obviously now seeing that it's delayed kind of just adds more fuel to all of that suspicion that that we had right uh, the game is just not ready and things like this happen and you definitely see where a lot of people are kind of maybe angry that they went ahead and announced a release date and it brings up the whole conversation, right, of don't reveal games or don't announce release dates until you know you can meet them. But I don't think it's that easy. For the devs, I, I guess I can really only appreciate that they are, you know, wanting to take their time with it and give us something that hopefully can be the next Elder Scrolls or the next Fallout, like like they are or have been, you know, talking it up to be uh, and really what a lot of people are expecting it to be. And also to Microsoft for giving them the time, because that's another thing, too. This was going to be Xbox's big exclusive this year, and now it's not. There's there's nothing there, which is okay. I've seen a lot of people talk about, you know, PlayStation's just going to win this year in terms of that. 
I don't care about console wars. It is what it is. Xbox has Game Pass. That's the best thing that they have. And with as long as there will continue to be stuff there day one over what Sony is doing even now with their PlayStation Plus, they will always have a leg up in that department. So I don't think this really hurts them that much necessarily. If anything, when it comes out and it, it could be the best thing there, well, then there you go, right? Like there's something worth buying an Xbox Series X for. But yeah, I, I hope that they do take their time. I, I think we'll probably see gameplay for it this summer during the Xbox. All right, and that's going to do it for our news for today. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on to our review. We're going to try to make this pretty quick. We're running a little, a little long on time. Uh, and that's going to be our Multiverse of Madness review. Uh, quick synopsis. And by the way, this will be spoiler-free, so no spoilers here today. Uh, the synopsis for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness reads... Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is a sequel to 2016's Doctor Strange, Avengers Endgame, WandaVision, and Spider-Man No Way Home. It is the 28th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the 11th installment of Phase 4. The film is written by Michael Waldron and directed by Sam Raimi with a runtime of 126 minutes and was released on May 6th, 2022. All right, so... We watched Doctor Strange the day it came out, literally the eve of its release. Um, and if you really listen to our podcast, it it was pretty accurate, in my opinion, like as to what the movie actually portrayed in it. If you are listening in right now, we are actually going to do a spoiler review right after this recording. Uh, whenever this video is up, it'll be followed by Multiverse of Madness spoiler release. Um, and right now we are in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness spoiler free. So... I guess I'll start by saying I enjoyed the movie for the most part. Um, I do have my fair share of issues with it. Most of it I will cover in a separate spoiler review because a lot of it is a lot to talk about, as, I, as I'm sure you can imagine. On the surface level, it's almost a race against time kind of story. A lot of it is, you know, Doctor Strange and America uh, Chavez kind of going on this uh, multiversal adventure trying to prevent these beings from taking her power and in the meantime also finding out why and, and who is sending them and who is controlling these beings to try and steal her power which in, in case you're not aware america chavez's power is essentially that she can travel the multiverse at will that that is her power but she has super strength and things like that that they they do give slight nods to but that is the main thing which goes into one of my issues with the movie one of my core issues is that she is really mainly used as more of a plot device and less of a character um in this movie and that being her first time being introduced in the mcu that, that was a bit of a disappointment for me i i wish they gave her a bit more to do as far as strange goes i thought benedict cumberbatch did great i mean he's, i mean he's obviously a, a great actor but i think this time around with strange he definitely got a lot more to play around with in terms of his character and his arc. I thought he had a pretty solid arc in this movie from beginning to from beginning to end. Him kind of going on this journey and finding and coming across multiple versions of himself and, you know, him kind of discovering things uh, not only about himself, but uh, about the other versions of him and how they kind of became corrupted and what happened to them in their respective universe. And see Doctor Strange is a threat. And I'm not, again, I'm not going to go into too much of that, but they they did a lot with Strange's arc in here that I thought was interesting and that I did like. Wanda, however, or the Scarlet Witch, um, I have mixed feelings about. 
she does play a pretty big role in here. I can't say exactly how much or to what extent due to spoilers, but uh, she is featured very heavily in the movie. And she uh, honestly, uh, I feel like, is the darkest of the characters in this film in terms of what they do with her and her arc. And yeah, I, I thought that coming off of WandaVision, they rushed her arc a little bit. There, It felt like, you know, there was something missing there in the middle of her arc as if they maybe had something written and then took it out, which we know there were reshoots for this movie, but I guess we'll never really know what else was shot that we didn't see. But um, that was another thing other than the America Chavez stuff that did bother me a little bit is that her arc felt a bit messy and also, like I said, rushed. She does get a lot of great scenes, though, in terms of the visuals and everything they do with her magic and everything. She's definitely garnered a lot of new spells and powers and things like that since the last time we saw her in WandaVision, which, by the way, I do recommend definitely watching before you go see this because they do not catch you up to speed at all. Again, I can't go into too much about her, but just know that I had mixed feelings on how they handled Wanda, but I did enjoy watching her on screen. Elizabeth Olsen did do a pretty phenomenal job with what she was given in the script. The visuals of the film are probably the best in the entire MCU, in my opinion. If, if, that, if I could give the movie any you know, award, it would be purely for the visuals alone. Sam Raimi really had his handprint all over this, not just in terms of the horror. Yes, that is there. Not heavily, but it is there. But also, man, the uh, the cinematography in this is just, it's God tier. The, the color palette is amazing. The, the different locales that they go to throughout the different multiverses all felt very diverse visually and aesthetically and they were really just really appealing to the eye pleasing to the eye just just watching all of that the music was great danny elfman did the score and as i'm sure you guys are familiar with his score from the toby Maguire spider-man films there wasn't necessarily any music here that was memorable so to speak but there there is a fight scene towards the end of the film towards the final act that utilizes music so heavily that I thought was so creative and so and so freaking cool. You'll know it when you see it, but that is that was a highlight in terms of the music for me personally with Danny Elfman's score was what they did with a certain fight scene at the end. It has to do with music. But yeah, there are cameos in it. Obviously, I'm not going to talk about them here. There are a couple that are probably going to have a lot of people talking. Others that weren't so much that, that I, not so much, you know, that I was crazy about. But one thing that I mentioned, you know, in our last episode, right, was that I didn't want a lot of cameos here. So they did deliver, at least on that. It doesn't have a bunch of cameos, so don't go in expecting that. It has a handful of them, and you're either going to sit there and really enjoy them, or you're not going to care for them too much. But none of them really hindered the experience at all. They were there, and they had their reason for being there, and they came in and, and went. But overall, though, the movie is it's good. It's great. It's, it's another good, solid MCU movie. Yes, it has its issues and its flaws, but, you know, I've seen it twice at this point, And by the second time, I did definitely enjoy it a bit more. But again, there's just those issues with the, you know, the pacing with Wanda's arc for me and America Chavez being so underused, I feel like, in this film that really held it back for me. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on Multiverse of Madness. There's so much more that I want to say, but I just can't. But I'm going to uh, send it to you, Stephen. 
for uh, your thoughts on Multiverse of Madness. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I mean, the cinematography in this movie was amazing. It was, it was definitely the best in the MCU, in my opinion. And Sam Raimi really did like to put his little horrific twist to it. This is a PG-13 film, and there were some scenes in there that I'm like, this isn't edging rated R or anything like that. It was probably one more cuss word away from moving into rated R territory. <laughs> I like to say that America Chavez really didn't have that much of a character arc. You're right. She was just a plot hole, and they didn't do her a service. They didn't do her a good service in this film. Wanda, I think that she could have had more. WandaVision could have been stronger, and we all know that she definitely could have been more out there, which she displays a lot in this film. Um, there's a lot to kind of take in and understand, and if you are not caught up in WandaVision, again, you're in the dark. And uh, with that kind of being out of the way, let's go ahead and get into this last trailer discussion before we wrap it up. Avatar The Way of the Water. There isn't too much to say about this one, um, to be honest. It's a really short teaser trailer. They really kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we all knew the sequel to Avatar was, was eventually going to come. And by the way, there's going to be multiple sequels in case you're not aware. But yeah, I think what James Cameron really set out to do with this teaser was to show and don't tell, right? Which is fine and honestly the best thing for Avatar. Because I thought I thought back to why Avatar was what it was and what it meant to movies and, and the movie-going experience at the time that it came out. It was the spectacle, the phenomena, the, the, the vistas and everything that, that was on display with that movie when you went to go see it. Everybody was talking about it because of how visually spectacular the film looked. The story, while, while you know, serviceable, isn't anything groundbreaking uh, in, in my opinion, but it was the visuals. It, it was the, the world of Pandora that he created and the lore of the Navi and the war that was going on between the humans and the Navi and that story and, and how everything was connected to that. What they wanted, what the humans wanted from the planet and uh, how the Navi were so connected to the planet and its history. Uh, and that was always the, the most interesting ass of Avatar, I feel like, at least in in, in my opinion. But with this new teaser, uh, again, he really just showed off a lot of the new you know, creatures that we can see. What I'm assuming is going to be a new area, a new location of Pandora. It is called the Way of the Water. And we do see a lot of water in this trailer, a lot of new sea life in this trailer. I don't know exactly what that's going to entail for the core storyline, but I imagine once we see it, it will probably make more sense. But yeah, I don't really know what much is going on with the story here. It, it's definitely taking place uh, years, it would seem, after the first film. We see Jake Sully, you know, kind of what seems to be fighting more humans and more humans in the little machine things that they have. We see a lot of the Navi and, you know, the different tribes and things like that, which is another thing that I think they might be doing here is introducing new tribes with, you know, obviously this being in a what seems to be a, a different region of, of Pandora. Uh, we might get introduced to some new tribes because these look to be like a different tribe than what we were introduced to in the first film but again we know nothing about them at the moment it does look like maybe that 
you know, Jake Sully, it seems to be that they may have had a kid and that we may have saw a glimpse of him in this trailer or this teaser as well. I don't know if that's confirmed or not yet, but a lot of people, including myself, kind of were picking up on that. It shows a pregnant Navi woman in the trailer. I don't know if that's her, though. And then, you know, maybe that is their child, which would be a very interesting thing, because after all, he is natively a human, not a Navi. So there are some interesting things they can do here with the story that, for me personally, can make me more interested in the story than I was in the first one. And again, not that the first film had a bad story. It was just something that, you know, we've kind of seen before, a story that's been told before, which, again, isn't a bad thing, but it was nothing new. What did it for me was the visuals, and it really seems like James Cameron and his crew have upped the ante this time around. And it just looks even more beautiful, honestly, than, than the first film. What are your thoughts on, on the teaser? I'm actually really excited for this film. I mean, <laughs> we've been waiting for it for such a long time. You know, it's been, what, like 10 years almost? More, probably more than 10 years at this point. It has to be over 10 years. Maybe 12? Almost. Close to that. Mm-hmm been a while since avatar released and i've been waiting for a sequel i'm pretty sure just like everybody else because this is one of the biggest grossing films of all time it, i think it is the biggest film yeah it still is it still is yeah yeah so <laughs> that's where it's like they kind of didn't want to take the money and run i guess they're trying to they're trying to push into this i don't want to say it's a money grab but they're pushing into this area where oh go ahead Okay, I was I was gonna say uh, this does bring up an interesting thing too. Do you feel like it's it's too late for? The, I mean, not that it's too late. I mean, people are probably everybody's gonna go see it regardless. But do you feel like the excitement level is where it should be, or where you would think it would be for for this film because it's been so long? And then like like we're now living in a time where like the MCU exists. That came out in a time before we had. Avengers Infinity War and Endgame and all of that. Like, do you feel like at this point people will go see it, but they won't be as, you know, mind blown to this maybe because we've had other spectacles since then? Definitely. I think that it, as much as I really hope this movie is extremely visibly pleasing, uh, I don't think it's going to compare or compete with Marvel. Like, it's going to be on a different level because if you think about the budget that the last movie had, and how much it raised and how much they gained from it, the budget this time is higher, you know? So the budget on this film is probably going to be massive. And I think that box office-wise, if it hits number two, that's going to be insane, meaning that everyone was still excited for this movie and the third one's to come. Which is what I would... I mean, I would honestly love to see that, really. Because, like, obviously, you know, we want to continue going to the movies for movies like these. You know what I mean? And so... Right. And from a technical standpoint, right, like James Cameron really does push the technology uh, with this series alone. Right. Like that's what Avatar has always been about was the technology. Something that's kind of distanced from everything else. You know, it's just kind of on its own spectrum. But yeah, we're not going to dwindle on this too, too much longer. We're, we're already over time. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Steven, you got anything else you want to say to the people? Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to our podcast. Uh, we are actually going to post another video soon. I have no clue when this next one's going to go up. I'm a little lazy, not going to lie. Um, but uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you all on the next one.